Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Mongo's House. Today I am sitting down with William Randolph. He is a comedian that toured for over 25 years. Um, he took some time off and he'll explain like what was going on with that. Um, but uh, he is just a really great guy. He offers some great insight um, and actually gives me some ideas about how to uh, work on the craft of, of stand-up. Uh, he does have a show coming up on April 8th uh, at Claremont Flappers. Uh, it's going to be at 7 p.m. Uh, you can buy tickets. They have a, an app on iPod and or like iTunes and, and Google Play Music where uh, you can download Flap app which is F-L-A-P-P-A-P-P, -P -P, all one word, and you can buy tickets for the um, for the show, uh, or you can contact uh, William Randolph uh, directly uh, through his Facebook page. Uh, but on that lineup is uh, Jim Barnes. Uh, he's a, a great MC that uh, I learned a lot from. Uh, Big Lou, uh, you got Lot B, Josh uh, Garcia. I've seen him do stand-up. He's great. Dan Avril. I uh, went to high school with this guy. He's really awesome. Um, Joey Wrench is just hilarious, and I kind of talk about him in the podcast as well. Uh, just really great lineup. Um, please go out. It's on a Sunday night. Uh, end your week right, or start it off the right way, however you want to look at it. Um, but uh, with no further ado, here's uh, my buddy, Willie Randolph. Hundred and seventy-five songs, and two really bad ones. <laughs> my girl Bill, and then yeah, my my dad's name is William, uh, but he goes by he goes by Bill and Billy. I used to go uh, to he's taking me to the golf course all the time, and um, I thought that he was related to everybody because there was Billy, Dicky, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. And I just figured that they were all, and they were all Uncle Billy, Uncle Dickie, you know what I mean? So I didn't realize. Uh, welcome to Mongo's House. I'm here with uh, William Randolph. Uh, he's a fantastic comedian. Um, I really love this guy. And so uh, he's, we're actually on location at Willie's house. <laughs> so, this is a beautiful downtown Claremont, which we had a fire about uh, 20 minutes ago, about a mile from here. It wasn't the electrical, was it? Don't know. <laughs> Not my fault. I know I'm only edibles now. Nothing with flames. You don't want to. You don't want to incriminate yourself just no. in case the insurance No, nobody's coming. I didn't do it. Thank you for the fine compliment. I've seen you. You're great too. Um, I I like your demeanor and your delivery, especially the other night. Uh, everyone was just so it almost. It just calms you. Just already go. I'm gonna have a show here. We're have a good time, and you're just natural. Thank you're natural. you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm fairly new. I mean, I'm a baby compared to you've been doing it for how long? Don't, don't mess it up. Don't yeah. add anything to it. <laughs> don't put a tux on. Don't have any props. Just chill and be you, and that's the best way. Yeah. People try forever to become that. Yeah. You know, and they. You'll notice from someone talking to you on in normal life, and then the minute they get on stage, another thing comes out of their mouth. They go, "Oh, please stop that." You know. Yeah. But that's who they are. That they can't tell the difference, they won't tell the difference. And then there's some that's the same person all the time, which is how you should be. Yeah, I, I, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and that's one thing that I caught from Bill Burr. 
He said, you know, when you first start out, you're just trying to get get comfortable on the stage and trying to figure out, like, don't sweat through your shirt. Like, you're just trying to, yeah. to get up there and do something that kind of looks like everybody that you've seen before. And then um, the closer you get to being the funny guy that everyone says, hey, you should try stand-up, the closer you are to that guy on stage as you've been off stage, sure. that's when you find that. your voice. Then you, you notice that you're... There are people who don't turn it off. That's a different, different, whole different animal. But yeah, you just be yourself. If that self was the funny person that was first inclined to do so, and yeah. someone said at a party, or if you can make your friends laugh. But if you're, I, I, my favorite thing ever to watch was when someone said all their friends thought they were funny, so they brought everybody one of their friends to the first show they did, and then nobody went for the second show, and they just died the second time. And they did so good. The first time, I've done it all the time. I told you that before. I go, I love it when I know everybody in the room. Yeah. It's a different animal, just oh, yeah. front. Yeah, I, 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 uh, yeah, you you spend all your life trying to find out who you are on stage or all your comedy life, and then all of a sudden, you realize you were always that way anyway. That was the person you're supposed to be, just chill and be funny and then the only thing that they kept saying to me was be consistent and find your own voice if you can't find your own voice find out what you want to talk about yeah. and your voice will come yeah. Bill said that many times or yeah. William William Burr yeah William Burr <laughs> Billy Bill Billy Burr. Guillermo Burr <laughs> yeah he um I, I've uh I've been very uh fortunate that I've decided to take comedy up in this time because I feel that I'm able to 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 listen in to the people that I've idolized. I get to sit in the green rooms and in the in the in the intimate conversations, you know, with with that. And that's one of the reasons why, like, I started this podcast was so that you know we could we could have a space for you know comics that have been in it for a while and newcomers to come in and talk about it and get to know people and and so um it's just a big honor for me like i i'm i'm loving it man yeah you'll find that the twain meets i mean you'll find that the same th conversation comes out of the brand new people as it does with people who have been doing it all the time they cover the same ground uh it's funny to watch uh some people in the green room try to overdo try to take over the conversation that's uh, for brent and forced big horses in there and they'll go oh so you guys don't like me no you just not you don't you just don't have to talk just come in yeah. enjoy and so someone that just comes in understands that there's the faithful and then understand it, it doesn't even matter though I've seen brand new guys own a room yeah. it comes and goes but uh, man so, so many green rooms and so, so many times have I, I've had a mic in my face at 6.30 in the morning promoting the show <laughs> yeah we're gonna be here is that your normal voice? No, I've been up all night smoking heroin. Okay, stop it. Well, well, where's your show tonight? It's right here. Isn't it here? I brought my clothes. Okay. How uh, how did you get into into stand up? Well, what what got you on stage for the first time? Total fear. I knew that I couldn't do it. I absolutely picked it out of the out of the hat and said, "There's no way I could do that." Nobody said I was funny. Nobody thought for a second. My parents thought I was just absolutely boring and uh, lifeless. And I got a job at a comedy club in Claremont, uh, an under, underground place. Underground meaning it was literally underground. <laughs> it, was, it was below. Every Saturday. It was, it was the 50s. It was the bomb shelter. <laughs> yeah. we, we watched uh, Eisenhower tell us what was going to happen. 
It's called the Bomb Shack. Bomb Shack. You know, that's what it's called. And everybody bombed first night. And then you moved on. The, uh, the downstairs every Saturday night, the, the, the toilets overflow. At, by, they, had to have, they had to have the show closed by 10.45. So, anyway. Uh, it was downstairs, and so I was just a doorman there. I was going to college, and, uh, and this job came up. And one night, I was watching everybody. One night, my, the guy comes over to me, the owner, manager, said, listen, uh, the first act didn't show up, so I'm going to go up, but you're going to have to introduce me. I go, what are you, what are you, high? Because I am. I'm not going to be able to put my words together. He goes, it doesn't matter. Just say my name right. Just say the first name, last name. There's the restrooms over here, blah, blah, blah. And while I was up there, I just said, oh, I got to do this. Because I did. Yeah. I got a tinkle laugh, you know, a little bit of, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I went, oh, that's not going to do at all. <laughs> like, yeah. So I went to a class that was given every Saturday. It was a Sunday or Saturday. I can't remember now. That taught by two guys that were pros in L.A. at the comedy store. Robert Aguayo and Danny, oh, he's going to hate me for forgetting his last name. Well, Danny put on the, the program and Robert was there to help out. So what happened was you go there every Sunday and you do an hour of watching and then you do five minutes of material and they critique you. And that's how you get started. That was, a, that was a, the form of a comedy class. And right. paid, I think, 20 bucks for it or whatever. But eventually... You, um, it helped me MC better. It helped me do all this. But I also noticed one thing. There was always a group of men in the back with the recorders on. And I knew the recorders because those are the days of the red light recorders where you could look back and see if someone's got recording. So everybody who does amateur comedy at any point going to a class has five minutes of material. They don't know it yet, but they do. They have something that's not been done before. Unless they're just absolutely just ripping off somebody else. So these guys recorded, and we found out it was on sitcoms, you know, three, four months later. So they brought it up. The guy, they closed that down. They wouldn't let the guys hang yeah. in the store anymore. But uh, long story short, uh, I think it was good enough to steal. Does that yeah. sense? That's, yeah, even, yeah, yeah. that's where I took, took away from it. And then I would MC. I MC for about four years while going to school. And one day, one of the big boys came over to me and says, you, you know, your stuff sounds really good 45 miles from here. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, everything you've ever written up there as an MC is anybody's grab, especially if someone comes off the boat and has to write new five minutes material for the boat comics. He goes, well, you have to go on the road and establish yourself as a comic. So go on the road, find a way to get on there, find a back door, side door, whatever, hang with somebody that you talk to. Because uh, I was able to talk to every comic I was I was oh, the MC, so every day yeah. I'd go hang in the green room. I brought my little bag of I'm not doing it Coke for whoever's there. <laughs> this was the guy told me he goes bring a little Coke, bring a, bring some drugs, bring some pot, know how know the bartender, yeah. and get everybody messed up who wants to be messed up, and they'll talk your ear off. They'll talk you. They'll sit in the car and talk you. If you got to join. So I did that for five years. Every I was doing it six nights a week. You were a comedy dealer. Yeah, I was a comedy <laughs> dealer. I didn't charge him. Well, I, I learned a lot. And then one guy just told me that he, he was this guy named Jerry Dye. He goes, this is what you do. You get what they like. You hang, you have a pocket full of it or a handful of it, and you talk to them all night long, and they'll tell you everything. And so he goes, but, but after you're done, wipe it all clean. Just take what works. They'll tell you that, too. Yeah. So uh, eventually I, I hung with a couple guys, and they told him to come with me or come with them. And I hung on the road and just, you know, just kept going. I was on the road for uh, 25 years straight, sometimes 13, 14 weeks at a shot. Got a college thing and did uh, like 35 colleges of the Northwest and uh, got came home, got a house, tried to get back into L.A. stuff, got a mm -hmm. couple TV shows out of it, you know, 
couple of t- uh, what do you call it? The comedy shows, not TV yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. at the Improv, stuff like that, Star Search, all the little ones, and a couple of the ones were just thrown around, Comedy Cottage. So, yeah. Well, it was your, a, your bit... Um, your bit about the uh, drive through The little boys, yeah. Yeah. So, when I heard that live, it was, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Ratatouille. Yeah. But, it's, but there's, this, there's this scene where the guy tastes the food and it takes him back to when he was a kid. Yeah. Like, when you did that and I saw it live for the first time, I was like, holy hell, like, I know this guy. Like, I... And I don't know where I had seen it before. I'm pretty sure I, I'd seen it somewhere. Yeah, just in the background, little Starship's playing, or yeah. the, even the improv, one of those shows. But I, was, but I was just like, oh, yeah, like, I remember this guy. You know what I mean? And it yeah. was just, it, you've, always, um, you've always just been so down to earth, and I think that that's one of the things. There's some comics that I've met um, that are a little standoffish, uh, some that uh, that are feel like maybe they're a little they're, they're, they're too good to talk to me you know what I mean for whatever reason for whatever reason yeah, yeah. and so um, but but the ones that are open and, and cool like that's why I get into comedy like I and I try and be genuine to people and so it's like you've always been that and it makes so, more sense to me it, and I don't have enough credits to be an asshole <laughs> so like, so, like, so, like, so, like, so like, have you seen my my AMV? Have you seen it? It's over. It's over. It's over. Yeah, it's like uh, there's like three lines there, <laughs> and one of them is a home movie. <laughs> yeah, that's my wedding. Picture. I did the little voice when I was in uh, I was in Texas. At, I first started, and this guy, the very famous guy to me and to most of the folks, Steve Odekirk, told me I should write a bit about it. Let's write it out. He's a writer and did uh, uh, Nature Calls and directs all that. He's, he did some stuff. He's exceptional. Um, he said, let's write it out. And he helped me write it out. And that night I went to the comic store in La Jolla and did it. But I had been doing it as a kid. When we were the kid, we'd get in a car, it's somebody else's car, and, and the guy would be doing steer, gear shift. And I would go, <laughs> and then it just evolved from there. And then I remember coming through the bit, the true part of the bit is I remember going through the drive-through in Baker, California, and the uh, little voice comes over the intercom, and it's <laughs> but to me it sounded like <laughs> so I would talk back to that, and then that it all evolved. The bit got bigger. It could be three minutes, two minutes, and ten minutes. The record is ten minutes. I would not stop, and the audience would lose it. And, <laughs> but I've gone shows without ever doing it. Yeah. So that's even more fun when you play with the audience because I was really good at playing the audience for a long time. I like that, but then I just backed off of it. When, uh, when you when you first started, you you said that you do you remember the first time you went out on the road, like what that where you went? Well, the closest thing I went to was I went to somebody's uh, not a funeral, but a, um, <laughs> a morning. <laughs> I wish you went to a funeral. <laughs> God, this place is dead. <laughs> Bring it up. Is the guy in the box happy? Put a smile on him. No, I went to a, a what do you call it? A, a, not a wake, where someone was gathering money for the family because of this person had passed away. Oh, okay. um, I think it was sort of out of town, but a real road gig. I started out with a friend of mine. I met 
here in uh, California, he had a, his wife had a little comedy club in Good Humor Bar in Texas. He said, yeah. come on out there. And that was the first real paid road gig. My very first pay road gig was a con- uh, the laugh stop in Houston, Texas. The first week was with Jay Leno. Really? The bo- the guy comes over to him, Howard Trustman, since gone, said, listen, uh, you've got 20 minutes, right? And I went, uh, sure. And I only had three. And most of it was talking about Newport Beach and California and stuff like that. And so I'm riding it on the plane on the way out there. Mm-hmm. So he puts you up with the... Uh, the the other act was Yakov Smirnoff. He was in the middle. Oh, yeah. And off, Yakov. off. I'm sure he's not heard that before. Yeah. Uh, Yakov and I stayed two weeks. You get two weeks out of the middle and the opener. The opener and the middle get, get a two-week stay. The first week was Jay Leno. The second week was uh, Jerry Dye. And Jerry Dye was, uh, we. yeah, we did. That was my first real gig paid out there, out in the world. And I bombed terribly. Jay would come to at night and, and go, listen, listen, as he put it, listen, listen, come on out with him. And, and he had his wife with him. Uh-huh. His wife sounded just like him. Now, maybe it's over here, but she's going to tell you why, uh, how bad you were. You're so bad, we left the room. <laughs> but he was kind enough to put me aside. He goes, listen, this is directions. If you're going to say something about a man, say about a woman. If you're going to do this, you're going to do that. You're gonna, he had some things that he put down. And then... Uh, he would play video games uh, all night long with the guys that I would just sit and hang with them and, and listen to him. and he would throw little nods of a joke that I would do and he would say do this different do this different yeah. but he was very kind and Jerry again I knew Jerry for a long time but he was the one who said sit with all the guys and get them high and listen to them mm-hmm. and it was a good good two weeks yeah that's fun. awesome and, that, and then from then I went to because you were already worked at a club, you were yeah. able to say, I worked at a club. So the next club you call, you go, hey, I'm so-and-so. I just came from this club. Oh, you worked at, yeah, from California, you worked at. And uh, I, my reputation was b- so better than that. So you're just parlaying it, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I kept on going, and I just, I was gone for the re- as often as possible. I ate up the road. I put 300,000 miles on three different cars. I had over a million miles in the plane. I just kept going everywhere that I could get my hands on. And, and I, I would change my voice and book myself. Everybody taught me that one. Yes, you know, I got a kid here. <laughs> that, was, that was the easiest way to do it. That's so and so awesome. that was fun. That was a great gig, and that was a great time, and that uh, turned me on to how to do it. And so that would have been, like, uh, mid-'80s, early-'80s? Late-'80s, yeah, very late-'80s. Late 80s. I, went, I think I emceed for five years from... The time I got us out of the Air Force to the time I got on the road. And then, yeah, 89, 90, right in there, I was on the road from then on. And I I just never stopped. And I, I mean, if I had a dead week, I was sad. I didn't have something yeah. to do. I was all over the country, everywhere, all over the country. Um, I took a break and went to, with a friend of mine down to Paraguay to shoot a film. Uh, not, I wasn't in it. It was um, The Rising... Uh, of the middle class in Paraguay, once they had their uh, dam down there built, they mm-hmm. were able to have electricity, so the middle there was more money to be made. And uh-huh. So we went down there and filmed it with the idea that's what the film was about. But secretly, we were filming about how people were taking children from adopting them and using them their parts for their own children. The rich people come to Paraguay, oh, yeah. grab kids, and harvest. And harvest. An amazing oh. story. When yeah. when was this? Nineties, ninety five, ninety four, right in there. And it, uh, they, they kicked us out. We had to go. We couldn't finish the film. It never got played. But uh, my friend still got a copy of it. And he's now on, uh, his name's Brian Kelly. Now he's on, he's done nature shows and he's done 
reality shows ever since then. He's been nothing but going at it. So I never heard of that. So how how did he start that? How did he find somebody a, a company that uh, knew that he was a filmmaker or a budding filmmaker and they could afford him? Said, could you do this? And now they took their money. They went down. And here's what happened. This woman that knew Brian happened to go down to Paraguay because she heard she wanted she could get a child down there. But the conversations that she heard blew her mind that they were doing it for harvesting. They were other mothers were talking to the mothers. So she was looking to adopt a child, just a regular adoption, just an adoption to, to love and and raise. And they're like, "Hey, we got a great kidney in this one." Yeah, you basically, the, like, yeah, the, the things like that just came to her mind. Oh she grabbed her home, got her husband. Who husband was the inventor of this great camera? If you ever seen it, it's a 360 degree camera that hangs on a helicopter. There's oh, yeah. no brake shots. When you saw Birdcage went from the sky to the front door, that's one single shot. That's yeah, one yeah. single thing. He, he and some people invented that. He took that money, took her, took Brian, took us, and Brian put the crew together. I became the sound man with a microphone, and uh, we put together a film, and we just went down there and shot it over. I think we were there, I want to say three months, but it could be a little less. So did you have, were you able to do a hidden mics or was it just... No, we we just went to talk to people and oh, just okay. it didn't say anything about which way we're going with the film. We talked about that and then, then while we're doing that we'd listen to other conversations and people would come in and, and at night we'd interview them about the real film. I mean the funniest thing, I, I'm in a place of a guy who's the richest guy in Paraguay. His house is magnificent. He has his own football team, his own chapel on his premises. During the embargo, in the Russian embargo, he was the only one that had drugs for all the, and there's drugs all over Paraguay. I mean, <laughs> every corner, for right over, any yeah, corner, yeah, after yeah. anything. So he's got there, he's got this beautiful house, and I've got this big boom mic with me, and I'm backing up, backing up, trying to get into a position. I tap something on the back with my handle, and then this piece falls down. It's an Egyptian artifact that he has in his house, it's shattered. And that's the second time in my life I've heard the words, uh, no price, so what's it called when it, you can't replace Priceless. it? Priceless. And I went, oh, that's good, there's no price. Oh, that's an idiot. <laughs> so he forgave me, Brian could not, that was just funny. I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad that I'm in, I'm in good company. So I too, have. I call it breaking history. I've broken history before. <laughs> Yeah, so I was in um, Manila, Philippines, uh, for World Youth Day. And so the, the Pope was going to Manila. I was chosen to go and represent my church over there. And so we went out there, uh, and I think the second night we got annihilated drunk. <laughs> so we, we go out there, the, the families are like, oh. So before we left, my dad was like, if you ever get a chance... They have this phenomenal beer called San Miguel. Try it. And I was like, okay. Their version of it, not ours. Right. So I get out there, and they're like, listen, there's drinking here. Don't drink. But I also know it's an Asian-based culture. And so if someone's offering you something, it's very rude to say no. So we get there to this uh, dinner, and um, they're just like, oh, would you like anything to drink? And I'm like, "Um, probably like an iced tea. He says, well, you know, we do have a wonderful beer. It's called uh, San Miguel. And I said, uh, I really, uh, I appreciate it. Well, I'll just, I'm good. I'm good with the tea. And he says, really, we, we insist. And I was like, uh, all right, I'll, I'll take a San Miguel. He's going to have San Miguel. So they go, uh, long story short, 
Um, I drank a San Miguel, a Red Horse, uh, three pina coladas, six mango daiquiris, and... You just went down the menu, didn't you? Yeah. On the way, on the way from the, uh... The tap room, which I was like, that sounds like a bar. <laughs> it was a bar in the Ritz Carlton, uh, to the uh, to the church. We're walking. One of my buddies, like Renee, one of my buddies, Renee, look at me. I can't even walk straight. And Renee looks at him, and says, "Don't worry, John. We're in Manila. All the roads are crooked." <laughs> so we we get to the house, um, go to sleep. We wake up late because we have to go to church. So I grab my shoes, and we're in a back house. I'm running, and one of my shoes starts to drop. And as it starts to drop, I'm right at the uh, slider, and I'm, I immediately begin to calculate what is quicker. Do I stop my momentum, pick up my shoe, continue running? Uh, do I try and swoop down and catch it? Or do I plant my right foot, kick the shoe that's in midair with my left, through the door, swoop down, pick it up, and continue it? Obviously, option three was the best way to go. So I plant my right foot, swing my left, kick it, goes perfectly through the door. I plant my left foot, and as I go in, my shoe hits a sidewall. There's a little uh, like a little table, and I see this plate uh, hit off of its little uh, stand. It teeters forward, back, forward, and then slams to the floor, shattering. And and I go oh, that's that um ooh that's bad right, the um the Filipino boy is now as white as my buddy John and I, that's not good that's not good because we're in the Philippines he knows it he yeah. knows it's coming and so the mother walks in, looks at the shattered plate, walks over, kneels down, picks every piece up very reverently, sets it on the table and without looking at me says. That was a 5th century Ming Dynasty plate. Oh my god. I have another. Don't ever do that again. And walked away without looking at me. I was promptly moved to another uh, home to stay in <laughs> by the end of the day. Oh my gosh. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was, and so I'm in a, I'm in a history class like later and they're like, yeah. Um, 4,000, you know, B.C., that's a, or, or that's a 5th century, like, that's what I broke, alright, that's oh great. Gosh. Yeah, crazy. I, I thought I was the only one that broke history, I didn't realize that. I broke a second piece while I was there, I put the boom, and the boom mic into it, we were watching, you ever seen the three musicians, you know, it's a, it's a clay thing that's, it's black, usually three black musicians, but yeah, that's, yeah, the, oh yeah, that's yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the coloring of it when they, the way they do it. Yeah. Well, they, they make them in Paraguay along with the great tile that they put over their leg to, to, to make. Anyway, long story short there, the kilns they use are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old, I'm told. I was told again when I left by the guard <laughs> that helped me through out of the building, out of the area. I backed into it and put a hole through it, which I think happens all the time with kilns. You got you rebuild parts of it all the time. Not so with this one that they show off. It's been there in all the families. Everyone uses it. And I knocked a brick right through. And uh, I don't know how fast I got out of there. It didn't melt the, the, uh, the uh, hole. But that's the second thing. And Brian goes, you're, you're going to get three. I don't even know what you're going to do the third time. I, I was probably moved from a guy, from sound to a shorter mic. I would have to stand under. He made me kneel and hold the mic to all the people. Which, 
Halfway through the film, there's just your yeah, hand. hand. <laughs> no, I have a boomer. Well, I have no upper body strength. I don't know how to hold them. I'm just... <laughs> so that, yeah, I did that. And then, haven't done anything since. They're like, hey, uh, can you uh, can you hold the mic? Can I? Like, I've done the road. <laughs> yeah. But hold the, yeah. You want me to say something? No, 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 no. You speak Spanish? You speak Paraguayan? What's the difference? You got five bucks. Okay. <laughs> No, I, 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 I thought that was a, it was a great trip. We learned a lot. I had fun with my friend Brian, and he went on to bigger and better things. And oddly enough, my wife told me, uh, now that I'm retiring, to go and talk to him and see if there's anything he can do to, you know, any, anybody he knows. I've, been, I've never done that. I've never asked yeah. anybody for a favor or a, a way in or, you know, a way. But at this, what am I going to do? So yeah. if you're listening... <laughs> Ryan, I'm coming to say hi. And if you're not going to be anything that's, that's yeah. priceless and breathable. Yeah. I, I my head, take me, duct tape me to myself. Or, <laughs> and yeah, maybe, and I got Brian maybe, in. Uh, maybe Legoland needs a sound guy. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it! <laughs> my friend, uh, one thing I've always done is if I, uh, I, I thought I, someone would say something to me, that I would say something back about their act because you don't want to say the wrong thing, but you also don't want to lie. Yeah. And so... Friends like Brian, friends, people I've come in contact with, I just say exactly how I felt and, and see if I could help them. Or I'd say, a really fun thing to do was to to watch their act and add things to it. Sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. That's okay too. Brian was very uh, open to that, and so was a couple other cats. But yeah, you learn. Uh, the green room is a great place to hang. I always like that. I always. I always. I just stayed back and listened until it was my turn or somebody pointed a finger at me, but. When you're on the road and you're you're the green room, when you're the headliner, you're the, it's your room. Then it started beginning a whole other thing. So, yeah, I was doing forty two weeks a year for probably twenty five years. I wow. just I just ate it up. Yeah. And there's there's no better place. But ninety percent of the people that stayed home found work in sitcoms and writing. And once they realize they're not going to be Rob Williams, they're not going to be opening auditoriums, they go and find, they do an act long enough to write material, see if they write, then they write for sitcoms and then become directors and everything else. Yeah. That's most of the people that I met. You'll meet, I've met, let's say, 100 people who are stars mm -hmm. now and are, are on a sitcom, run a movie. Then I've met 3,000 that were, that are doing it in the background in some form. Yeah. And I only met, I met, and I don't remember who I've met, nor do they remember me, who, who isn't doing anything else. It's a funny thing. It's like clowns in a circus. They, once they're done, they go away. Yeah. And I basically went away. To, I went away for almost eight years amongst all that to take care of my parents. Right up the street here. Yeah. Eight years, my parents had nobody to take care of them. They didn't have the, a way to do it. So I was their caregiver, mm -hmm. and I took care of them. And I wasn't doing comedy. I was a... Big bad depression for those those years. Finally, someone came and helped. My dad passed away. My mom went into a home. I went back on the road via a friend of mine, Vince Harper, mm -hmm. and a, a group called the Laugh Pack. They got together these six comics, and we all toured together locally. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then every Sunday we'd write. We go to somebody's house here, whatever. We'd, that person cooked the dinner, and we'd write. And it was called the Laugh Pack, and we did. We had fun. We loved awesome. each other. And had a great time. We still meet every once in a while. But the one thing they did that I could not master, two of them dance. Vince was a great dancer. Uh, and 
the, uh, uh, oh my gosh, she's going to hate me if I don't remember her name. Julie. Julie was also a tap dancer. And okay. so they designed this bit that we're going to open with, open with. We all worked together. When you bought the show, you bought all five, all six of us. And um, uh, they had an opening thing called Train Time, and we dance. And I'm this big clod up there. I'm horrible <laughs> at it. And they got film of me doing it in a couple shows. And then after that, they, they would. I just couldn't do it anymore, and I, I broke away from them. Uh, but uh, that was fun. Uh, Laugh Pack. I tried that. I tried a duo for a little while. That didn't work. Uh, How did the, what was the duo? Uh, I tried actually twice. I had a gal with me for a while. Uh, I'm from the 50s. I can say gal. And then a gentleman that, that he and I tried it about 20 times when we were on the road together. We'd do our acts, and then together we'd go up and try some stuff. Oh, okay. And then that didn't, it didn't make any sense, so it didn't make any money. Yeah. Knowing, knowing what you knew, two things happened. Somebody's always going to want more stage time or more push. You don't, and you have to establish two characters, two different characters. Right. The you know the the straight man, straight man, and the uh, crooked man. Yes. For anybody knowing, and then after that, you realize you want to get paid to what the, uh, any other headliner would get paid. Yeah. So you got to split that. So no, that didn't work. The girl and I, uh, she was bipolar, and it took a while to find that out, and uh, I had to get the hell out of there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, I've had a couple of relationships that were like that. Yeah, like, or yeah. Just, yeah just, I, I didn't just, know about just, that. Stuff. Just women went bad. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I've, I've been married five times. Have and you? It's always my fault because I'm sure it's my fault. I'll take all the blame because I didn't get the either I did it to him or I didn't get the hell out of there in time. Yeah, but well, I'm, I'm I thought I was bad with having two already, so I still got time. You're a wuss. Yeah, come on, <laughs> man up. The lady I'm with and forever will be is is the best I've uh, for what we're doing for each other and around each other and because of each other. Uh, it's amazing. She's a great gal. She's helping raise Braden, my son, uh-huh. which I would have put right in the shit hole. I would have I ruined it. I would have tried to get back on the road and who knows yeah. what happened to him. But she's turned him around and he's a special kid. So that's awesome. That and plus she's got two Boston terrorists, terrorists, terriers. <laughs> <laughs> I met one of them. I yeah, Frankie's the other one who's the docile. He's 10, and she's not even one yet, or just one. And she's a holy terror, and he makes she makes him a puppy again. Yeah, 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 yeah. And my wife being 10 years younger than me uh, also makes me a puppy again. Yeah, my, my girlfriend's 17 years younger than me. Yeah, yeah, so... I can't, I can't comment on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, like, people yeah. are like, so what are you talking about? Uh, well, her, <laughs> like, my, my wife, like... Yeah. And they're like, how do you write material? And honestly, like, so um, that's probably a good question to you, for me to you too. So I write, I write material by um, whatever makes me giggle, whatever I think is humorous. I'll either jot it down, or I'll um, I'll, I'll record it on my phone or, or something like that. Yeah. And then I'll come back to it later. You know what I mean? Right. I'll try and see. Yeah. See how does this play out in different things, and um, I've, when you were talking about how you like you offer uh, offer uh, advice or, or, or like writing on on, on tagline, yeah. whatever. Yeah. There was one guy, and I don't want to say. I, I was just thinking about. So basically, I was thinking about how um, mountain lions I, and I, about mountain lions and how. Because I think I'm a guy. Like I, I can, I can pretty much handle. Everyone thinks they can handle their, you know, themselves. And then I was like, 
I can't, I can't handle a, a, a cougar. You know what I mean? Like, if I would think, okay, well, if a bear came up, I might try and punch it in the face. Or, like, a Rottweiler. Rottweiler, I could punch a Rottweiler in the face. I'm good with that. Good kid. Yeah. And then you think, okay, well, maybe a bear. Like, well, a little bear. Like, maybe. I don't know. And then I was like, a cougar? Like, maybe. May-. And then I was like, I can't handle a house cat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, have you right. ever tried to pet a... No. A, they didn't a, want it? No. And right. it just turns just to, sh- like, shreds your hand? I had a, 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 the Whitewoods, what do you call them, the Peonies, there's something else. Dumb, horrible cats. Yes, Fine-ies. horrible cats. Shit on themselves and you have to clean it off. Yeah. Messes everywhere, fur everywhere, Fine-ies. and won't, won't have any affection to do with you. I don't know why they exist. So I, I happen to have this idea. And so there was a buddy of mine that, so I run the open mic. And so this guy came up and he had this great bit that was going, and I said, listen, man, like, I don't have a place to put this. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it fits. In your story, you have a perfect garden for this piece to, to grow in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to use it, great. If you don't, that's fine. But, like, just see if it works for you. You know what I mean? And so, I I do, and I think I would enjoy, like, that going and, and having a writing group, but I've never done that. I, mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know how it works. I mean, the closest thing to, to a writing group is when you said, what's the difference between the NHRA and the NRA? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, when you find somebody you... you okay, this is what you, everyone is either a comic or a muse, period. And if they're not a muse, not I mean not amused, they you'll be around somebody that makes you write. You grab that person and you, you dance with them as much as possible. Or you find... Five comics that, that just want to hang out with each other, doesn't mind, and they have a little bit of integrity. And you bring premises, ideas for jokes, and you write. You bring to each of them. That's how the, our writer group started for Lap Pack. We started as a writer group, then we put together. I should have mentioned all that. Anyway, uh, find you have like material, you'll find that out. You can either bring a newspaper, whatever it is that brings promises. You bring ten promises to the table. Each of them helps you, and, and that when it's your turn, those are your jokes. Whether they tag it or not, that's still your joke. And then you write with them. Make sure that you trust each other. Simple as that. You'll know later on, you know, someone's doing something that you guys thought together you thought was yours. I mean, I had I was working with a guy, and I said this joke, and he goes, can I have that? I go, you mean it's funny? I go, no, then it's funny. I'm going to use it. He goes, well, you might hear me use it. I go, you might hear me hit you. <laughs> He goes, isn't that good of a joke? He goes, then I, I won't hit you as hard. I just, then I had a guy who tell me, and a lot, getting back to it all, you'll find a group of people you do. I, I wrote with some guys, and I had a joke about the Antichrist. Uh-huh. And the guy thought it was the funniest thing I ever heard, but it, was, it wasn't, it was just funny. Uh, I use it every case. Uh, when it's, I say, you'll check Trump for the numbers in the back of his head. He didn't have numbers. He's not bluffing. He's bluffing, got a pair of fives. Doesn't have three sixes. <laughs> I've used it in different contexts and different jokes all over. And this one guy says, you know, you shouldn't do that joke because you're not Jewish. I go, get the fuck out of here. Are you? I, I would say his name, but uh, it was enough that when he did the joke anyway, and I yelled at him at a club, well-known club, and the owner looks over at me and he goes, Wait, he's going to tell me to be quiet? And he said, this guy just got that from me? He goes, yeah, that's my joke. Pulled him off stage. Blessed yeah. to, very rare. I don't yeah. think he liked the guy anyway, but that's yeah. not the point. But get with people who write with you in like a mindness. Uh, same level, doesn't matter. If you'll find a, someone who's willing to sit with you and write. I, I, I almost had Matt Shipway 
And a couple of the guys, Adam, when I first started working over there at the Flappers, to sit and do it, but I never found the time because they increased two more restaurants. I just had no time at all. Uh, on the road is the best way, of course, because you have dead time all day long. You have you have twenty three hours to kill. Yes. And you sit with somebody, and you go, "Hey, do you mind writing some, you know, bumping up some premises with me?" And they say yes or no, or they don't have time, or some most most are willing uh, to help, and then then the other ones will do it for a little while, whatever. You'll see, everyone's different. I swear, everybody's different in this business. You'll find one thing in common. We have a common, they call it an enemy, the audience, which is really not your enemy if you, you know, get them on your side. But yeah, it, it, there's so, much, so many things involved with this. Yet, if it's pure, there's only two things involved, a mic and an attitude, and you just do it. Yeah. Get up there and say what you feel. When I see somebody who's genuine, and I've seen a few lately, I'm just blown away. I love this new Netflix thing where they bring on comics, there's six of them, and you find something that's like, oh my God, that's so funny. I wish I could write like that. That's what I used to say all the time. I, I think my well, we we talked. You talked about um, you talked about the about where you we did that show over at uh, uh, Union on Yale, and I think my favorite part of that was just the the riffing on the room. Yeah, you have. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was that was my favorite part of that. You know that, and because it, it was just, I like being able to be in a space and let my wit be funny like and show that part you know what I mean um well you be you in a room if you don't acknowledge the elephant in the room the elephant will take over the room yeah for one thing but you also it looks like you just wrote it and you did yeah yeah I was, I was sitting there and I that's why I love when I tag someone's line who just went up Every you'll see everybody do it you've yeah. probably done it you'll tag a line that someone has already done with something else you know, it's not whether they use it or not. It's just that it fits the moment. Right. If you do not, then you've left a minute, uh, you know, 10 seconds go away that establishes you as someone who thinks on their feet. Yeah. Which is great. Always great. Especially if you haven't seen it. Especially if you haven't seen it. It was so funny. And I, and, and I, I love the joke so much, so I'm going to say it here. But so we had this guy that was there with the... This, he was a... a he was a booze maker, for, for lack of a better word. Yeah. I don't know what they call him. But he, he goes up there and he's talking about, um, he's like, you know, he's like, I make, uh, I make gin and I make vodka out of, out of what comes from L.A. It's made here, from here, yeah. for here. He says, and, you know, I don't want to go in all the things, but other places, they do some cricket, so I don't want to get in that. But our stuff is made with pure tangerine juice that's grown with tangerines here. <laughs> And so I get up and I was like, um, and was anybody else like worried that he was going to say L.A. River Water? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I LA. thought that was hilarious. Like I was like, because that would that would be that would make you invincible. Yeah. It would completely make you invincible. Some people actually do. I've seen people do the whole a forty-five minute set and never leave the stage of the club. Yeah, and talk. Maybe they talk to the audience, but it's just Rodney used to do it. You make fun yeah, of your yeah. surroundings. You sit and you. Because it, it's on their mind, they may have thought of it. That's the best joy is if some your audience is all thinking it and you say it, you go in. And what what I always found funny was when someone did that and they tried to redo it the next time they went out. Oh yeah. yeah, everything happens. And and then I mean a guy with a cowboy hat. So he had a guy with a cowboy hat come into me. I think we talked. Did we talk about that? Somebody I, I was recently talking Man, about it. Yeah. He goes. 
a guy comes in and he's wearing a cowboy hat. So this guy, unnamed, would make the, uh, hire the guy to come to all his shows. <laughs> yes, I go. He got nothing to do at night, right? I'll give you drinks and something to eat, yeah. and you wear that hat and you sit in that row. I'll get you tickets, the whole thing. And he for one joke. Well, he takes the hat off and he becomes the cowboy, and it's funny. Go, why don't you just bring a hat? Yeah, yeah. So, I, uh, I, I think that um, since I've been doing the uh, the open mic, I, I, they named me the host over here at mm-hmm. Flappers, and so I've I've really enjoyed it. I've really been able to like tighten up some of my. Um, er, just being comfortable, you know, and, and, and being okay with saying, you know, whatever. And I think that that's the, that's, that's what's helped, um, gain that confidence that, it, that you're starting to see. Because you, you, your minus credibility when you walk up there, if you gain credibility by being that, then you've really gained credibility. If you, yeah. you, you can't buy it. You have, that's hardest thing in the world is to MC. They do it differently than any other places. They do, um, in New York, they do a headliner is the MC. That's your show. He's on your. You're on mm-hmm. his show, her show, and then that that way he has he waits the shows over that is his act at the end. But in the mi- middle, he brings little jokes. They already know him, so he's well known. Right. But when you get them on your side from the very beginning, and you can get and you you own the room. It's your room. These people are just playing on your show. Right. If you do that, there's you you see all the different uh, uh, MCs. Some of them are so bad they can't even get out of their own way. Some of them are um, really good. Some of them are just learning. And uh, but it's it's really the hardest part of the show is, I mean, someone called walked it and just totally filthy the first three minutes. The show <laughs> down. Yeah. The show t- has got to now. Now it has to rebuild every time someone goes up there. Yeah. Or if someone talks to the audience the whole time and responds to hecklers and incites hecklers, then and the other, next three people don't. It poisons it. With it poisons it. But if you can own it as an MC, then you can own any room. Then you now you're. Now to think about what else you can do as an MC. What do you call the guy who um, the guy or gal that does the the, the the Academy Awards? He's MC in the show. Right. So if you can fine tune and be well, you you've got that in your in your pocket. You can do public speaking. You can do awards. You can do all kinds of things with it. If you just want to do write six minutes to get on a TV show, then write that badass six minutes to go get found and don't MC. But if you do that, you have that in your, your little pocket, you know. I, I wish I had done it better. I was five years of it. I, I learned more in the first three weeks than I ever did, and then I didn't like it after that. I was like, yeah. I don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm pushing the rock up a hill the whole way, but you can't look at it that way. Yeah, I, so I don't, don't. And you don't. So that's yeah, good. I don't mind it because I, I, I figure if I can be, if I can get a crowd to. Sit down, settle, and laugh at all. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're doing your job, but see, then, yeah. I, then I'm 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 doing a pretty good job, and and kind of priming the engine. You know what I mean to get to get it fired up. You have a non-threatening presence, whether or not your the size says anything at all. But they'll see the size, they'll hear the voice. It's not doesn't fit, and <laughs> it doesn't doesn't engage them into thinking I'm you know but they're, they're gonna go well all right yeah but when your voice calms them down you're you're gonna listen Mr. Johnson you do have cancer but it's a good kind of cancer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it hurts <laughs> 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 yeah, <that's right>. yeah. <laughs> 
mentioned uh, that you have two restaurants? Well, we have four. Right. The family has four. four. Oh, they had four. They have three now. And I still work for the fourth one, which is Union and Yale. And then I uh, work for my brothers, which is Brother Ziff, Back Abbey, Uno Triado, and Batiscos. And that's Tuesday through Sunday. I have Mondays off. I'm going to push the clock at, uh, show here real quick. I forgot. Uh, just in case I forget. No worries. Uh, there's a show on April 8th at 7 o'clock at Flappers Claremont. We have comedian Shannon Bobo, comedian Joy Rich, comedian Lola B, comedian Dan Abro, comedian Lazarus, comedian Josh Carey Garcia, Big Lou, and feature Willie Randolph. That's April 8th, 7 o'clock, Flappers Claremont. Go ahead and go there. I'll be there. I'll wait for you. I'll be. I'll, I'll go wait for you now. Bye. <laughs> the uh, I like Joey Rich. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. He's I've seen his stand. He is so he looks so um, comfortable Comfy. on stage. I mean that guy. He, he looks like a, like a fish in water yeah. when he's on stage. And just just a, he just looks like a comic. You know what I mean? Like I see. I there, there's a few guys where I look on stage like God damn. I wish I was I was like that. You, know, you don't realize it, but you already are. Now you have to build the material. Yeah. And don't, yeah, don't start getting a bunch of clothes on you. Just, just be, <laughs> if somebody gets rid of the, this kind of material, when you only talk about the body and what the body does, farting, shitting, fucking, all that stuff, you, you limit yourself. And yeah. Most people start out that way and then get rid of that and become smarter as they go. When you start out smart and start out being yourself, then there's no place but up. Thank you. I, you're you're one. I mean, aside from the people that I felt like have to tell me that I'm that I'm good, like girlfriend and like parents, like you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> Validation. Yeah. One, I mean, one of them I'm paying for half of the bills, and the yeah, other yeah. one is just like, don't put me in the home yet. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, they uh, like for so one thing is that you're also the first person that has told me something that I know. That my voice doesn't match my body. Yeah, and that's and and I see it every time when I when I talk to people on the phone, mm-hmm. and then they see me, and they go, "God damn, like you're you're huge, like you know what I mean?" Like, I, like I don't know. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, what, what, what happened in the car with a thing? Was there shrimp? <laughs> <laughs> I'm allergic. Are you, are you are you a fisherman? Yeah, yeah. So it's. It's nice to, to go, oh, yeah, so I'm not the only one that recognizes that. You know what I mean? For its purpose. But now I see that, oh, okay, that's actually a tool. Like, yeah. I didn't realize that it was a tool. That it's, it, it's, it's kind of your hook, but it doesn't have to be. You don't have to have a hook. It yeah. just is. Yeah. And you don't change that. You don't swarthy it. You don't get, uh, you know, you just just be. And you, you'll know, and, you, and you'll listen to yourself, you listen to your tapes, yeah. when you're going, not, you're going against it. But... You don't, because yeah. it's almost like I'm going to talk like this. It's not going to be any different than if I'm asking you for your, you know, house address and what's wrong here. Thing electricity? Yeah. No, electricity. cable. Yeah, electricity. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's I, and I, I like telling stories. I, I think that that's where I'm, I'm funny in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it certainly is the best. 
for memory. Because yeah. that's your story, yeah. number one. And two, no one's going to take it. It's not theirs to take. Yeah. And uh, if you write a joke joke inside of that, some people might get it and think of it because everybody thinks alike. But yeah, that's why I like stories too is because A, they happen to me. I can embellish the hell out of them. And then I, I list them as stories. I can do 20 stories if I do 45 minutes. And I can, yeah. Who, who do you think is your, who's your favorite storyteller? Still uh, Louis C.K. No, Patton Oswalt's damn good storyteller. That's a great that story. thing about the dog in the New York tunnel is ridiculous. You I remember? Need see, I need to see it. I don't know if I've seen that one. Oh, my God. He's going to move back to L.A. Because mm-hmm. New York's, it's not happening. Or he's, you know, let him explain. Yeah. Let him Explain it. But he goes to have to go to this place. It's his tunnel where his dog has to go to the bathroom. That's where the dog goes. And he says, there's, there's, there's the, the, the nuances, the things he puts in there. That there's a guy in there about to give head to the, uh, uh, to another, uh, <laughs> and the, the point of the joke is that the, the dog's going, taking a shit, and the guy get, about to get head from another crackhead goes, ooh. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's truly the hit of the joke yeah. but the walk up to oh my yeah. god there's a hundred things he says I that, love I love when a, when a comic paints it he paints it he's, he's one of the best painters out there he yeah. truly is and, and and though he's painting a lot of it with the same skill set with same, same paintbrush as his, his, his about himself his pain and struggle and everything, but you yeah. buy him it's almost like you, when you watch a 45 minutes of he establishes himself and then he just goes on and it's beautiful to watch. Him, I uh, who else used to tell stories all the time? I know, but, uh, so does Louis C.K. Louis C.K. tells great stories. I love Titus. Do it? Titus. Chris Titus. I do too, but he, I have a history with him long back time. He, we didn't get along at all, but I love his act. I love yeah. what he says. He's, his likability is shaded by his intelligence. Does that make sense? Or it's, I, I, I don't love him. Uh, I don't want pay us to go see him, but I'll listen to him any given day because that material is brilliant. It is. Brilliant. Like it's, it's, I, I guess I can... He's, he has said um, in the podcast that I've listened to that he's difficult to work with. You know what I mean? And so uh, I think that that... He's a perfectionist. Yeah. And I think that that is okay. um, from from a, a very uh, uh, uninformed place. Like I can I can surmise how some people just don't like them. You know yeah. what I mean? Just and, and, but but you can't deny the brilliance of the material. Yeah, that's the thing. Is you, no matter what you think of him personally or be around him or why he isn't the biggest star that ever walked the earth is is that material is smarter than anybody. I mean, there's st- the stuff in there, and I about four or five of them. I go, fuck! I just I thought of that a month ago. He, Didn't do anything with it. He ended up uh, breaking down how he tells stories on podcasts. Yeah. It's oh, I, I think I saw, I heard that. Yeah, and, and and so it's it's really um, it's really something that I I would like to try and do with some of mine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But right now, I mean, I'm only working with. 10 minutes, 15 minutes tops. And so for me to dive into one of those stories... That take 10 minutes themselves. Yeah, I don't have that... It's not that I have that time to really build into that. You know what I mean? I would love to tell a 11 to 12 minute story. 
Well, isn't there a place in Riverside now that lets you go as long as you can? There's a couple places. They still do that? Cigar store or something like that? I don't know. I'll have to well, find out from anyway. Uh, but I, I don't know who it is, but I heard that there was a place where the, it's 20-minute material. You used to kill 20 minutes. But more than that, you do a new five of that thing you're working on every time. Five for the, five for the dance and five for you. Mm-hmm. Five for the dance, five for you. Five minutes of what that piece is about. If you can do any line of it that makes, other than hearing your own voice say it, there'll be a time where you you really do are the main person that tells you what your material is, is about and how it works. Mm-hmm. The audience just clarifies it, just goes, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, bring up a new nickel every time if you can. If you, if, I, I do. So, I'll I think, the long story. It's oh, hard to I do. see what you're saying. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's hard to do. Yeah. But see if there's pieces. Because it's a puzzle anyway. Yeah, I've been working on one. Um, and I actually went from telling it from my side to uh, playing with what it would be from my son's side. And that, yeah. when, I've, when I've told it to friends that already know this story, are crying. Because they're like, that's so funny. And when so, he it or when you do it? When, when, I tell, when I tell this same story, but add his perspective. Okay. Yeah. And they're like, that's, it's so funny because it's so relatable. Everyone has had that moment, you know what I mean, and it puts you in that that situation. And I and when uh, I think that that is going to be one of one of those one of those bits that it, when someone says, "Hey, do you have 30? Like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I got thirty. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah. You know, and so um, I still gotta, I still have to try and figure out how to. And with a big with a closer, like I have, I have some closers that I, that I think, okay, well, that's my closer. I've hit them a couple of times, but that's probably my biggest, my biggest issue is saying, okay, I'm definitely going to close on this, and remember that's what it is. You saw Louis would take his closer and his opener and take him out and start over again. He would do this thing where he'd start make the the next joke the opener and then the joke before that the closer and do something to the joke to make it. His writing, his ability, he doesn't waste anything, and people think he just dances up there. No, he doesn't waste a single word. Um, be married to nothing and, and marry everything, you know? Like, yeah. um, I had to give up all kinds of stuff I was doing that everybody already hit. I was, because comics are collective consciousness. Everyone thinks alike. And so it became personal. It became my stories. It became what I think about and when you see someone has a perspective and a, a place they speak from, that's theirs. You know, you don't dance it, but you see somebody that goes, wait a minute, these guys are very similar. They're the 80s. They would, everybody sound exactly like had the right. same five things. You had, if you did an Elvis impersonation, a gay guy, a, a Mexican guy, a Chinese guy, I mean, that racism, yeah. everything went, it was wild in. Right. You get away with everything. Not get away, that's what they knew to do. That's what yeah. the guy before him did. That's what, yeah. the, you know, so I think that I think that I see that uh, a lot more in and I've talked to a lot of my my black comic friends. I see it a lot of black shows. Like 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 where you go in and it's like 
I'll tell my buddies, I'm like, listen, like, I love you. You're funny. But but the thing is, is that don't rest on on sex jokes. You know what I mean? Like, don't... I feel that it's a... If you throw in 22 mother effers, like, that's... You're better than that. You know what I mean? And it's... Yeah. And it'll, it'll kill a room. Like, I've seen it happen. But it's almost like it's a... It's a, um... It's a trick. Like, it's an illusion that I said. And it, and it works. But I... Like, I was telling my buddies, like, I want you to murder black rooms. I want you to murder white rooms. I want you to murder just rooms. You know what I mean? And so, I think that, um... I mean, I know... I don't know if it's not black, so really, like, people are like, oh, we can't talk about that. But I can... I can talk about what I see. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and I can, I can say like, I, I was at one show and there was a guy, uh, that came up and he was just so far and above everybody else that was there. And part of it was just, it wasn't that he was doing it wasn't that he wasn't talking about his personal experience. It was just that it seemed like it was coming from more than one perspective, if I can say that. Mm. Whereas a lot of times, like, I see uh, comics coming from one perspective. And I see, like, right now in the open mics, a lot of people coming from one perspective. You know? Oh, like, girls don't like me. They're a little girl. Blah, blah, blah. Well... You know, when you can switch it to coming from another angle. I think comedy's chess. When I play my kids at chess, they're coming straight ahead. You know what I mean? I put them in checkmate from three different places. Sure, you already know the move. Yeah, and I tell them, listen, like, this is how you play. And that's what I try and... That's that's where I think great comics come in. Is from hitting, a, hitting an audience. Well, give from, me an example of someone who does it and says it and... A joke that they did. Give you an example? Yeah, give me an example. So, um, from, from, from what I've experienced or from different perspectives? That's not how it goes. Just show me the difference between single perspective and outside perspective. Uh, so, let me think of a... I remember Richard Jenny would do it all the time. Oh, the best storyteller. So Richard Jenny would be sitting there, and he would be, like, like I think of the, the platypus man. Like, he's sitting there, and he's just watching this show and how ridiculous this thing is. Yeah. And then he's like, well, wait a minute. Like, that's me. And so then he, he starts seeing it from him, from his side. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like looking into him. Um, I think that, uh, what's the, you ever seen Necessary Roughness? Yeah. Remember the dean, uh, of the, of the college? He's a fantastic comic that does a bit about skiing. And he's like, I thought that my, them, that these were my friends. Larry, Larry Miller. Yeah. The, best, so, the best drunk, the best drinking story ever. The best skiing story ever. Yeah, and so he's talking about how about how his experience is going down the hill, mm -hmm. and then he talks about the other people seeing him, 
and commenting at how phenomenal he is. Yeah. He's talking about his friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, those are, that's kind of where I'm talking about, like, different different angles in that one story. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, from me to me to he, he, he. And he, Jen, you've, you've, you've hit on two of the best I've ever seen, too. I used to watch them all the time. Larry Miller, that, the thing, it's a, it's a, it's a nine-minute bit. It's all about drinking, where you are in drinking. You ever heard of this story? No. If oh, I have, listen, I don't look it up. It's, it's, it, drinking is in phases. Phases is, this is a great bar. It's a great time. Uh, you know, yeah, it's great. By the end of the night, let's buy a bar. We're going to buy a bar. <laughs> We're the greatest people that ever lost it. Watch his dance. Like, all the way yeah. to the end of it. It builds, it builds. And it's a bit about skiing, his bit. Jeez, you can't even say that word without feeling funny. It's not a skit or a bit. It's ten minutes of, of just him talking that way. Yeah. And his didn't tell me how to do this yeah. thing that he does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Jenny, the the, the the referee, the the football coach, not the football coach, the fo- first ref get laying on the ground, yeah. talking to the mic. <laughs> and, and he goes, and he gets up back up. He gets back up and continues the game. There's, there's no, there's no outside people telling him to get up. It's he owns that whole program, beginning to end, and you accept it. You, as soon as you get on board with him, oh my God, he was so good. I can't even imagine what was going through his mind. Yeah, I, I, it, it, I watched, I watched him. I was with him. Yakov and I were down south, um, in this club, and there was a club called Derriere's, uh, which, by the way, at the time, I, I looked like uh, from the guy from Three Dog Night, and it was okay, that was okay that that happened, because <laughs> uh, they were just there that week, the previous week, Three Dog Night. Okay, is it Yeah, we stayed over, yeah. Well, I watched Richie, took four guys with him, and he built a show, and he filmed, he was filming for his first couple specials, or first special, he brought four people with him, and they were all his friends, and they all wrote together. They would tape each other and do each other and watch the shows every night and write and rewrite and do it. That's what they did. I mean, they went there for that purpose. You had a room that didn't matter, money that just, who cares? And you had four people with cameras. That was a long time ago before anybody was carrying them around. And they'd film each other's shows and they would do do each other's act and film those out. I watched them do that. I said, this is the smartest thing. So Yakov and we did the same thing with him. Wrote for him, uh, another guy. uh, And we wrote his act and rewrote it and watched him and did it and for ourselves as well and by the end of the two weeks we're on the road you had 15 new minutes where we're oh, yeah, taking yeah, on yeah. a year yeah so um those i don't know if those days are gone or wherever you can, what you can do but take yourself every night and and critique yourself every night and add yeah. a line i i do this still i walk i blast it out of my head Take the same act I did that night and walk through the backyard and add stuff and then tape myself doing it. Mm-hmm. And then I add a line to it because it's funnier afterwards for some reason. Yeah. It always is funnier afterwards. Sometimes with my commute to work, I'll just hit record. Yeah. And I just, to. and I just, I'm playing my... Oswald does it. Yeah, I just play my, my car. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, whatever makes me laugh goes, oh, okay, we'll keep that. You know what I mean? Uh, that one's all right. Can you do you plan on going on the road, or or you just gonna you gonna do do what you got here with the with with the flappers, and can you go every night out somewhere or no? It's hard to do, isn't it? So the thing is that 
I'm I have to wake up at three fifteen in the morning. End of conversation. And so I'm I'm switching like I, I'm getting a I'm getting a ch- uh, change in my schedule to where I'll have to probably wake up at four uh, fifteen. Yeah. So that will give me a little more time. Like, it doesn't matter what's going on if you can find room to fit in as much as you can do yeah. and just not stop. You know, I think I think that I and, and also like I have my boys one week on one week off Same and so idea. like yeah. so right now like my my boys are with me this week but like I I really wanted to, to sit down with you and so I I that's I, they're with uh, they're with my girlfriend I made them dinner I loved them hugged them played with them uh, okay we're gonna dad's gonna oh, go do a, do a do a it's an honor that you did that because yeah. I I have my son every two weeks and uh, there was not much that I could do to. You know, not be around. And I show you a picture of him when he was seven, and you go, "Holy shit!" <laughs> now he's seventeen, and he's six foot three, and you know, monster of a kid, and and drives you crazy. Is he in high school? So he's, he's, he's in high school now. Senior, yeah, senior, yeah. Yeah. What school? Claremont. Oh yeah. And he's trying to get into Cal Poly. Oh wow. How old are you boys? Uh, eight and ten. Eight and ten. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's a good and great age. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, Josh, who, who's uh, the ten-year-old, he just broke his wrist. Don't worry. Uh, screwing around, backing up, and not paying attention, fell back. Oh man! And so, so fortunately, it was his left wrist. Um, he's right-handed and hasn't hit puberty, so I'm sure that that's going <laughs> to. It, it will remind him when that happens. But he, What's uh, eight-year-old name? Uh, that's Matthew. That's a great name. Yeah. I love Matt. Yeah, call, call him Matty Mateo. Yeah. Nice. And, and so with him, he's, he's the one that is just, he's the one that I talk about probably the most in my comedy just because he's... Are they listening? Will they listen to um, They probably want to. Yeah, they probably want to. Uh, he asked me uh, today, I said, uh, I had to go go record a, a podcast. And so he says, oh, are you going to your, to your work in Claremont? And I was like, well, it's, it's, it's at a, a comics house. And he says, oh, he says... Who's your um? Who's your greatest fan? And I said, well, "Are you? Damn it! I thought it might be you, but I guess I gotta go find a different one." <laughs> He's like, "No, no, 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 no! I think your stuff's pretty good." <laughs> uh, oh no! Oh no! Wait! Wait till later. Braden can't can't wait not to see me. And I get jokes from him all the time. And he doesn't even. Roll. He's deadpan delivery. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I I get stuff from him all the time. Matthew, my 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 girlfriend, told him. Um, they were doing something, and she she looks at him and says, "You guys are so weird." And he looks at her, steel eyed, and says, "Your socks have toes on them, <laughs> toes," and just walks out. Yeah, and I'm just he like, owns him. "Did he mic drop you at yeah. eight? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be strong. <laughs> strong than that one." Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've been to I've been to the to the back alley or the the, the back alley right yep. the, and I've been I didn't realize that that you uh, were with uh, Union on yeah I didn't realize we that. we had it for a little while our brother was the half owner mm-hmm. for uh, like three of the five years and then we just they bought out left uh, it was too much at mm-hmm. the time. And then he went. He really wanted to get the Uno Triado up and running. It's a small place, thirty-five seats, and it's from the table. Where's that at? It's right in town. It's right inside, uh, behind uh, Sun Crust. 
The bakery. It's been there for a hundred years also. It's a little tiny old gas station built into a restaurant from a long time ago. Long story short, our family was part of it when it first started years and years ago. My dad helped help a guy, Robert the Great, build it inside out, and he had monks walking around. So hence the force the back abbey. It's all comes back together. But it's all uh, you know, small dish Italian food from 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 the farm in Chino. Oh awesome. so everything is Is great. it Amy's farm? Amy's farm, yeah. I love Amy's Farm. It's a great place. They, it's you know. so, it's just so cool. If you, uh, I want to get one of their pigs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just yeah. the pet. I oh. love the little jowls that they have. Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> those things are cute. Yeah, until you're hungry. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, hey, we're gonna need it. You know what? Hey, come here. You know what pork belly is? Can yeah. you give me that without dying? <laughs> Be good. Pork belly. Yeah, Amy's Farm is a really good place. Uh, we've gone down there with the kids and do. Oh, stuff. good, yeah. yeah. Educational and and just to show them. Yeah, because they do, they do classes and they they show killing. They show the they do a thing where they a slaughter. They show oh, them. really? Yeah, for, I didn't realize that. For, I think it's for larger groups. So I don't know what I don't know. I can go down there and go. I like we we can show that one please. <laughs> I don't, I don't like his look at it. We're going to go get chicken, kids. We're going to pick it out like lobster. Come yeah, on. We're gonna, come on. I want that one. <laughs> Do they have names? Yeah. Breast, thigh. That's fantastic. Or, oh. The, um, so right now you're working with uh, you're working with the restaurants and doing power. Are you still going out and touring anywhere? No. I no, I cannot get out of town. Um, I'm close to retiring. And I'll do, I'll do what I did before, see if I can get back in and do, you know, I'll do all the little rooms around mm-hmm. and then try and go somewhere for a week at a time just to see the work. I cannot get anything done doing 30 minutes and then to wait another month to do 30 minutes. It just doesn't make any sense. But my wife wants, like I said, wants me to go ask friends that I've known mm-hmm. to, you know, get me a sit, give me a desk job somewhere, meeting, uh, meeting yeah. acting. I'm going to go with my friend who told me every day he sees me in L.A. I go, what do you mean? He goes, every day when I go in there to sign in to go be, to be in a commercial or whatever, you're sitting right beside me. Either you or a guy. He goes, a guy that looks exactly like you. So if you're if they're doing it, then you should be doing it. And you could be you could be doing five days a week doing you know three making three hundred bucks a day, being in you know. Sons of Anarchy, the, anything, anything. Yeah. They use you yeah. all the time as you look right now. Yeah. A little more beard or whatever. He goes, but but you already have personality. So once they see that, then you, you, you might be able to move. He goes, you got the perfect timing. Retire, go out there and do it. And while you're doing it, my wife says, listen, you've written scripts. You've got ideas in your head. You know enough people. Go out there and ask for ask for the favor. They, they would have asked you if they uh, you were there. And so we'll see what happens. With the, I'm going to go. I'll, uh, I'll make sure that uh, that one of our mutual friends uh, listens to this because he's he's writing uh, for I think he's writing for America's Got Talent. He said that he's writing for a few other shows, and he's getting ready to write for. Uh, they're they're trying to wait for something to come through with Canada and the hockey thing, but mm. he might have a connection. I uh, I've been talking about it for years, and I got a, a guy that wrote a, 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 a took one of my stories and put it in a magazine. And wants to make a movie out of it, and it's uh, all about my mom. And who she was in show business years ago. She was Ray Rochelle, the Red Bomb Show. She was a stripper, 
Mm. And there's a bunch of stuff goes along with that. And uh, he thinks it's a great idea for a movie. But everybody's got a movie in your pocket. So that's the other thing. Always have a treatment, a script, an idea mm. in your hand, ready to go. You probably do. Ah, I'm, I'm brand new, man. I'm yeah, brand new. When you're writing, it's a practice to write in that form. Write, find out what a sitcom looks like, a treatment for a sitcom, and find out what treatment is, and then write one just for fun. Just yeah. what late night? You're, I know you're, you know, you'll yeah. have an hour sometime and just take a book and write about it and see if there's anything there. Yeah. Find out if that's available. So when they find you, you got something to hand them. Makes sense. Or when you go looking for them. So. Yeah, All right. You're a great guy, Willie. I love you, you man. Are. Awesome. Tell, tell me about this show one more time. Oh, that show on April 8th. <laughs> April 8th, 7 o'clock, Flappers. Uh, they had me back after three times when I said no to them when I was in Hawaii on my honeymoon. Um, great lineup, a good friend of mine, Dan Abro, uh, who I can't wait to work with again. Um, exceptional. And uh, I've seen all the cats and jammers that were in this, this show before, and it'll be worth it. It's 7 o'clock, Sunday, April 8th. Be there. I have tickets. Right, so do they. I love you, man. Love you too. Thanks for coming out. Thank you. <laughs> to your house. <laughs> we'll do this again. Yeah, yeah. And I'll have more to say. You have more to say. And I'll interview you. Sounds good. Say bye, everybody. Bye bye. Good night. All right, say bye, everybody. Bye. bye.